Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Nick. And I'm Shannon. And we are your co-hosts. And today I am continuing my series on the signs of the Zodiac with Taurus. Whoop, whoop. Hey, babes. Uh, so we're and uh, got... kind of, I, I, hold on. I was going to say, we're, we're running with the bulls today and I'm done. I'm, that's... Oh my God. We are running with the bulls today. Uh, well, I'm talking about a very like Taurus Tarian. What is it? Like how would that, uh, anyway, the plant marshmallow is, it's like, is it Taurian? Tarian? I, th I think it's Taurian. Yeah. Okay. Well, fine. Executive decision. That's what we're calling it. Uh, I'm talking about marshmallow which I'm really excited about. And in Culpepper's book, he actually um, groups them as mallows and marshmallows. So we'll talk about it in a bit. Um, it was definitely one of those where I was like, wait, we haven't done marshmallow yet? Yeah, I know, truly, when we were doing that little planning session, I was like, oh, interesting. Oh. Right, right. Very interesting. Well, it happens. Um, but... Before we get into that, Nicholas, when did you feel magical this week? Well, okay, so I'm going to do, as usual, I'm going to do two, hard to pick one. Um, actually, one of them is kind of sad, but I mean, I think, I think, I think you'll vibe with why I'm bringing it up. So um, a bird ate my wasp nest at some point this morning. Oh. So... Um, Life cycles, man. Ja Janet is no longer. Um, rip. Uh, rip. This one goes out to Janet. This episode is dedicated to my beautiful wasp friend, Janet. No, it was actually really kind of sad because she had a really cute little nest going and, you know, we're, was about to have the first kind of round of hatching going on. Um, I've been doing a lot of research about wasp life cycles, and um, I feel like a lot of that time has been wasted now because she, she's dead. So that happened. Rip. Um, rip to Janet. But no, I did go to that comedy show Friday night. Oh my God. Also, Emma was there. Yeah. Also, Emma was there. Shout out, Emma. Um, no, literally, I would say being in a room with that many um, women and gay people of all genders was very life-affirming. Good. So, I love that. Um, and that, I mean, like, and we were, I, I don't know, it was just, you know, it's one of those, it's like where you can feel the collective energy of a space. Like, I, I really do think there is something very, very magical in that. I like that. And we were there um, to have fun. Come on. Yeah. And to like laugh and not be so serious for a little while because like, I don't know, man. Which Sometimes is big, you have big to take a break. Big Taurus vibes. So. Yeah. Um, speaking of like hilarious uh, comedy, my laptop just gave me a notification that says sunset coming. Uh, thank like, you. <laughs> Cool. Um, so for me, I guess, well, you know, the, it's been two weeks. First of all, thanks everyone for hanging with us while we were out last week. I had a family wedding with literally nightmare travel situation. Um, like the worst, the worst of the worst, every bad thing that can happen on planes like happened. So thank you. Um, but this past weekend, like as I was getting back into the swing of like, you know, not being traveling, I've been doing a lot of stuff in my garden because it's springtime. But my magical moment is like my sweet peas, y'all. So they're trellised up that they smell so good. And I think for me, it was like just recognizing that like layer of sensory experience in my garden, because so often it's like, I'm planting herbs or I'm planting vegetables or I'm planting, you know, like pretty things. But this year I really have some like stuff in the garden that just fucking smells awesome. And like putting my face in my sweet pea plants in the morning has really been giving me Persephone vibes on my way to the office, which I need this time of year because things are crazy at work. So, um, yeah, I've just been huffing my sweet peas and that's been my magic. <laughs> I do want to say your hair is looking so purple. 
It is very purple. Um, I've just like leaned in. I'm not even mixing red in and it in it anymore. I'm not. I'm just doing dark purple. I'm just gonna have dark purple hair. Like that's gonna and, be. And my it's thing. it's a sleigh. Yeah. It's Thank a sleigh. You. It's a sleigh all day. Thank you. I I, I do want to say, speaking of gardening, um, so still have yet to kill my hydrangea I got for my birthday. Um, and so we did go to Dade and we got um some hyacinths and some tulips for the patio. Ooh, so our, hyacinths. So we are doing a, a a real floral moment for springtime. Florals for spring, groundbreaking. Um, we I like love a grape hyacinth, honestly. Like, <clears throat> no, they had they had the grape ones, but Bailey picked out the pink ones, and I got unopened tulips because I want to watch them do their thing. Um, and they look like they're gonna be yellow, but do you remember when I bought the ones that I thought were gonna be yellow, and then they were like flame gradient, so they were like red in the yeah. middle, yellow on the outside. So I'm like, it could be something fun like that. I like, but it's gonna be, mm, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Yeah, I do love tulips. My queen of the night tulips are coming in. They're so pretty, so dark. I did bring another like little bouquet of cut flowers to my colleague who manages the gala last week because she's been having like a time of it because the gala is on May 6th. So that's right around the corner. Um, but let's like, let's get into it. Let's talk about marshmallow. Marshmallows. Um, it always makes me laugh because there was this video that I wish Eric or I had saved that my grandmother sent me of my nephew Caden doing a rap. And we always like do this at each other because I just remember the part where he's like, I like to eat marshmallows. Oh yeah. Like he was doing a weird little rap. And so um, that's how I always say marshmallow. So it's hard not to, it. it's hard. It's hard not to. Yeah. I do like to eat marshmallows. Um, but today we're talking about it. So uh, she's the queen of mucilage, a goddess of slime. Like she's slimy. Uh, marshmallow root, um, Althea officinalis, otherwise mostly known by variations on marshmallow, but also mallards, malls, and schloss tea. I, I don't know if I would drink that. No, Schloss tea sounds like something that you use as like a like oral gargle. Like and just the word gargle. <laughs> Gar gargling needs a rebrand. Because it's good gargling for you. It's, it, it's good for you when you need to do it. But um you know, like there should be a, a nicer sounding word for that because it already does sound gross when you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a mood and not a great one. Um, so this plant it's native to Europe, Western Asia, and Africa. I just love that in um in Culpepper's herbal, he describes the place as uh, the common mallows grow in every county of this land. The common marshmallows and most of the salt marshes from Woolwich down to the sea, both on the Kentish and Essex shores, and in divers of other places of this land. So um it just made me laugh. I That's, was like, I, 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 for some reason, I'm hearing that in like David Attenborough's voice. I feel like that's right. That feels right. Um, so this is a tall boy. Uh, she gets up to like seven feet tall. It has thick leaves. They're kind of downy, ovate with like really intensely toothed margins on the leaves, and they're about like two to three inches long. Like they almost give me like, okay. It's it's almost like baby maple vibes, not like quite as extensive toothing. But oh, you see what I, I mean? I, I could see it. I could see like, it. Just trying to like think of a way to describe it for people that are, you know, listening to this because it's an audio medium. Um, but the leaves are about like two to three inches long. The root is where most of the medicinal stuff is at that like people use these days. Um, the roots are like thick they're white they're giving parsnip white carrot uh Culpepper describes them as being about the width of a thumb and I always hate those measurements because I'm like whose thumb not my thumbs I have tiny hands <laughs> so 
If you want to grow your own, just remember, like, you can't really harvest the roots of this plant until the plant has between two to three years of growth. So this isn't one that you're going to be able to grow from seed and then, like, have marshmallow root that fall. That's not how it works. The roots do have the highest mucilage content, of course, in the fall, which is very polite of the plant because that is also when cold and flu season kicks off. Thank you. Uh, but remember, anything that you're harvesting the roots for, when do we harvest? In the fall, because nutrients fall down. So the flowers on these are super cute. They're little like five-petaled white kind of lavender or light pink babies. They're actually like kind of small for such a mammoth plant too. But the flowers are super cute. Like they look like mini hibiscus. They're like very dainty, very elegant. Um, you actually, when I was Googling like, all of this stuff on gardening with it. Martha Stewart's website has stuff on growing marshmallows. So you know they're pretty. Martha signs off. So the first thing, though, that you think of when I say marshmallow is probably like the soft, delicious confection that is marshmallows. We love them in a s'more. We love to eat them out of the bag when we're stoned and it's midnight. And that's fair. The foundation of the first ever marshmallows uh, were the mucilage that marshmallow root is so famous for. And the recorded uses of this plant for both like food and medicine, it goes all the way back to like ancient Greece, ancient Egypt, the Mideast, and even Rome. Um, my favorite quote by Pliny the Elder, which is also referenced in Culpepper's Complete Herbal, uh, Pliny said, whosoever shall take a spoonful of the mallows shall that day be free from all diseases that may come to him. Uh, so instead of an apple a day, Pliny's like uh, a spoonful of mallows a day keeps the bloody the flux away, the, which we'll talk mallows. about. The mallows. Uh, Theophrastus, which also like Theophrastus like sounds like he was like an antiquities rapper. Uh, uh, the Theophrastus sounds hot. I mean, I'm I'm just saying. I hit that. Uh, so this man, he lived from 372 to 286 BCE. And he wrote about like a mixture of marshmallow root and wine to help with a cough, which honestly, like, that's like cough syrup, right? It's a mucilage. It's the alcohol to help you go to bed. I just was like, wow, fucking 372 BCE. And we've already basically come up with Robitussin. Um <laughs> The, the Greeks would use the young aerial parts to, like, they'd eat those, while the Romans really were the ones who, like, got down with the roots. Like, the Romans were all about the roots. Growing this one, pretty straightforward as long as you have damp soil. So this is a plant, I'm like, our Pacific Northwest friends, this is the plant for you. Once they're well-established, like, they can tolerate periods of drought. Um, they definitely need full sun. But they're not going to grow super well in areas that are, like, too dry or don't have enough sunlight. Um, you can grow them from cuttings in the spring or root divisions in the fall or, like, really early spring before growth is kicked off again. And they're really, like, vigorous once they're happy. So if you do decide to grow it, like, keep in mind this is going to need some tending. Like, think about the way things like, um, like, Fermi catnip like the mints will go crazy. It's kind of like that vibe. Um, again, if you're someone though, that like doesn't live in a place like the Pacific Northwest, like say me and here in California or anywhere else, basically, that's not constantly damp. I don't know. I'm like, maybe this just isn't the plant to grow for you and that's okay. So I would say I like to buy it dried from my local herb shop. They like shred it kind of like they do a slippery elm bark. I've had really great experience with it. I just think that if you live somewhere drought prone, like maybe don't focus your efforts on growing a plant that wants damp soil. That's not for you. And that's okay. Leave it to the moist living witches. <laughs> like those of us in the desert will get down with our fucking Mediterranean plants. So when you, um, oh, anyway. Okay. So I was like, did I have anything else to say about that? No, nope. Growing it's pretty straightforward. You can also buy seeds for it, but like the most common way I've seen is from root divisions. And for a plant that you're eating the roots on, like root divisions are probably helpful because remember how many years old that plant has to be before you can harvest it. Anyway, 
let's talk about medicinal uses. So disclaimer, 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 I'm not a doctor. Nick's not a doctor. This podcast is not intended to treat or diagnose anything. Please don't get medical advice from a fucking podcast. Y'all are smarter than that. Kate, this is going to be um, a drinking game for how many times I can say fucking mucilage in a segment. Um, how many times? We're about to find out. So the primary way that marshmallow roots used today is actually like pretty similar to what our ancient ancestors used it for. Um, it's a demulcent for the mucous membranes. Uh, shout out to the German Commission E who has approved the use of the root for both oral and pharyngeal mucosa irritation, uh, aka like dry coughs uh, and mild irritation of the gastric mucosa. They also approved the use of the leaf for the respiratory issues, but not for the gastric issues. So you can make a, an infusion or a decoction of the dried root to treat like sore, dry throats. Basically, it coats everything in like a bit of slime. Um, some people refer to it as a slippery gel. If you're lame, I'm like it's oh, slime. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're we're from the Nickelodeon generation. It's slime. Exactly. It's exclusively slime. Um, it's a really also like. If you have concerns about finding like good, sustainable, ethical, harvested, um, slippery elm bark, marshmallow root can be a very good like alternative for that. Um, you'll see it sometimes in like different herbal tea mixtures for sore throats. Um, uh, people do suggest like a cold water infusion seems to be the way that a lot of people suggest making it in particular with like the aerial parts, but also with the, the root. And they say you get more of the mucilage out of it. Personally, like I've done decoctions of it because when I want something slimy for my throat, I usually also want something hot. I felt like it was sufficiently slippery. But again, if you really want to get like the most mucilage out of it, a cold water decoction is apparently the way to go. Um, but marshmallow root, in addition to like being used for respiratory stuff, is also used in GI complaints. And it's kind of cool because this is a plant that has like a one-two punch, right? So it's got that mucilage that helps like soothe the gut. Um, it's often like recommended for people with IBS. I mean, really, it's like if you're making something for a digestive upset, marshmallow root is almost always going to be appropriate because it's soothing of the gut for both like if you have constipation or diarrhea um but in addition to like that mucilage it also has this really great source of prebiotics so it helps like nourish the good bacteria in your digestive tract at the same time which is fabulous so uh, i also wanted to read a little bit from this was one of my favorite sections so y'all i am loving having culpepper's complete herbal i just like cannot recommend it enough um but speaking of gi issues <laughs> uh you may remember that not long since there was a raging disease called the bloody flux the college of physicians not knowing what to make of it called it the inside plague for their wits were at ne plus ultra about it. My son was taken with the same disease and uh, the excoriation of his bowels was exceeding great. Myself being in the country was sent for up. The only thing I gave him was mallows bruised and boiled and milk and drank. In two days, the blessing of God being upon it, it cured him. And I hear to shew my thankfulness to God in communicating it to his creatures, leave it to posterity. Um, so basically, Culpepper used mallow decoctions to treat his son's bloody flux, a.k.a. dysentery, which, you know kills you dead um i we learned yeah. that we learned that in the oregon trail we did learn that in the oregon trail um i just i love that he's just like you know shout out to the man upstairs i'm gonna let all y'all know mallow saved my kid from dysentery um it's one of those things where again like primarily with dysentery it's like issues of hydration and needing to let it run its course I'm not going to say that I think marshmallow can cure dysentery, but it's probably really soothing and it's helpful to keep drinking and hydrating. So, you know, good on him. Um, I also just like crack up at them calling it the bloody flux because I'm like, <laughs> it's, oh God. Um, that's, that's my, uh, that's my metal band. <laughs> bloody flux. Like a little. Uh, you can also though use like their cute little flowers for skin inflammation. So I, Basically, you like soak the flowers in water until they get 
like gooey and then you can like apply it to the affected area um some suggestions are for like putting that like kind of mucus ball on like different stings like if you get a wasp sting or a bee sting but i did also see this one like suggestion from culpepper to basically kind of like use the soaked um the soaked flowers on your eyes to like treat your eyes and i'm like but how great does that sound like kind of a gooey cold flower as like instead of a cucumber i mean i'm into i'm into it i'm like i'd get down with it uh (laughs) some people also will include it in like drawing ointments um, I think in that situation, it's probably just more more for like providing moisture because a lot of stuff in dr- drawing ointments can be really like dehydrating for the skin. Um, but yeah, so there's been some, albeit very sparse, clinical research into the use of the plant. But really, like the mallows, like they're still used a lot by herbalists today, but like they haven't gotten those like big farmer research books. And honestly, like that's fine that's fine. This one's been around for forever. If you've like, if you boil this shit, it gets so gooey that it's like, yeah, no, this is going to soothe your throat. Um, okay. Let's talk magic. It's a damp one, right? Uh, so it's associated with the water element, surprising to approximately no one. Um, I have seen like, in addition to associations with Venus, I have seen some stuff some uh stuff with the moon and some people have said it's more like a libra herb but i really think to me and also not just to me also to to culpepper um venus like venus rules it and it's a very taurian plant right because it's like it's soothing it's protecting it's associated with healing it's not something to me when i think about like herbs of Libra, I'm thinking more of things that are like balancing issues as opposed to like soothing Venusian, like healing mama vibes, which to me feels more Taurian. So, you know, your mileage may vary, but it has been traditionally associated with Taurus by plenty of people, uh, hence here in this segment. So, it magically i've seen it tied a lot to like beauty love magic also sex magic because apparently at one point um like marshmallow was used in making like sexual lubricants so like ayo uh i don't know much about the mucilage in the downstairs mix-up so i'm not gonna recommend that but hey sex magic is very taurian um but yeah like love beauty sex high taurus So some sources also point towards marshmallow being used in hand fasting ceremonies. I love the idea of like, if you're doing a spring hand fasting or like wedding, putting marshmallow flowers and like a flower crown or even including them in like a little bouquet. How cute. You can um, use the like dried marshmallow as an incense. Um, I hate that the thing I keep seeing that I saw a bunch with it was like, helping inspire fidelity in your partner. Like y'all know where Nick and I stand on like magic to prevent a wandering eye. Like, no, thank you. It just, it just Uh, doesn't seem, you know, ethically questionable. Yeah. I'm like, look, if you have to do magic to keep your partner from being a dickwad, maybe they shouldn't be your partner. Um, I said it. So, you know, but if you want to like think about it as like a sexy, beautiful, loving plant, like I think that the representation of it's gorgeous. The flowers are super pretty. I also think that if you wanted to take like a moisturizing bath, like to me, and this is like, I'm such a bath person that I'm going to say sometimes when it's real hot, I like to take a cool bath, like not cold, but like a cool bath in the summer can feel really nice. I was thinking, like, how great would it be to, like, put marshmallow flowers in a cool bath and then maybe also put some on your eyeballs? Like, gorgeous. We're moisturized. We're, like, enjoying the summer. We're getting baths even though it's warm outside. I'm into it. Um, 
but it does have those like protecting energies too. I think something about the plant being seven feet tall kind of lends itself to protection. Like, I don't know. I don't know about you, but being behind something seven foot tall, I'm like, yeah, that's right. You get them plant. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you're doing like psychic work, you can use it to help ward off bad energies. Y'all know it's good for protection. It's good for sexiness. Put it in a sleep sachet. Put it under your doormat. Where do we put plants we love? Under our pillows or under our doormats. Um, so that's really about all I have today on Marshmallow. It's uh, It makes me really want to go make some s'mores. Um, <laughs> my sources today were Culpepper's Complete Herbal, a compendium of herbs and their uses annotated for modern herbalist, healers, and witches. Um, the Herbarium, MarthaStewart.com, MarbleCrowBlog.com, and RiteOfRitual.com, plus like Reddit. Love, love, love. Yeah. And now we've done Marshmallow. Um, so s- since this episode is a bit of a one-two punch, let's do some let's do some little baby asks before we move on. Yeah. Um, rate, review, subscribe. Rate, review, subscribe. Easy peasy. And yeah, yet, the- and, and, and yet, yet we keep not having everyone to, does. And yet we keep having to ask you to do it. So And I, I desperately want to know who the person is that's bringing down our five-star rating. Like, please. I, I actually, I want, I want to fight whoever that is. So. Yeah. I would like to fight you lovingly, but also like, let us know. I'm just, I'm so curious. Like, I'm so curious. We just want to talk. <laughs> yeah. No, nothing psycho happening here. <laughs> okay. So, um, because we started with Aries, now we're doing Taurus. Because that's the order. That's the order they go in. So um, up top, I did want to say on the day of recording, which is Monday the 24th, um, it's Barbara Streisand's birthday today. Happy birthday, Mrs. Streisand. So hold on one second. Can you close my door? (laughs) Sorry, Bailey just got home. Um, oh no, I heard him. I like that it picked that up. But I like want to leave it in the podcast because it's just Bailey. <laughs> why don't you fucking close it yourself? <laughs> um. Anyway, but yeah, so it's Barbara Streisand's birthday, so we're gonna give a shout out to Barbara up top here. Um. And so I think last time I did start out by doing some famous Aries, so we're gonna start with some famous Torians. Um. I think a. You know, kind of a cl- it's Barb Barbara's birthday, but I would be Amen. remiss if I didn't kind of close to the top of the list, second on the list, uh, Queen Elizabeth II. I mean, yeah, kind of a big deal. Very famous Taurus, um, George Clooney, Robert Pattinson, and Henry Cavill—all very mm-hmm. han- very handsome men. I'm like Henry Cavill can fucking get it. I love that he's a nerd. It makes mm-hmm. me infinitely mm-hmm. hornier for him that he like loves D and D and building computers. Like, no, it's it's everything. And that and chin, oh, it's hot, it's hot, it's hot. Um, we love but it. okay, and then we're uh, moving on to some uh, some some ladies. Um, Adele, Cher, and Lizzo are all Tauruses. So if I could turn back time so we've got some really good <laughs> we've got some some great lady singers in the mix yeah. too and like uh, big big personality lady singers mm-hmm. shakespeare <laughs> william william shakespeare historically uh for his birthday is recorded as april 24th which would make him squarely a taurus it would also make today his birthday i guess so so william shakespeare and Barbara Streisand, two great storytellers of their respective generations, um, <laughs> share a birthday. Um, oh, Renee Zellweger. Hook em. She went to UT. She's uh, a UT grad. Uh, Bridget Jones herself. Um, <laughs> Bridget Jones, isn't it funny? Because she's so fat. Because she's like a size six instead of a two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, John Cena. Okay. John I can Cena. See that. John Cena is a Taurus. Um, so these are this is this is the political section. Um, Hitler. Hitler was ruining a Taurus. 420. <laughs> ruining 420. Also ruining Taurus season. 
not really. Um, Karl Marx, though. Karl Marx is a Taurus. Huh. Okay. Um, and I didn't. I don't know if it's really political or not, but uh, Mark Zuckerberg is a Taurus. If he was really born, that is. If he was really born, that is right. I mean, doesn't he seem like a like a droid or whatever from um from Star Trek? Yes. Hundo P. Um, and then both of the famous Hepburn ladies, Audrey and Catherine, no relation, oh. but they're both Tauruses. And like fashion icons. And fashion icons, which I really, you know, think is like a big part of the Taurus ethos, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so just to kind of get into it, so um Taurus rules the throat. Which you can treat with mucilage. Which you can treat with <laughs> mucilage. But also, I do think that was really interesting, though, with all of these great singers. You know, Stevie Wonder, also a Taurus. And storytellers, I think, too, right? Because it's like when you think about your throat chakra, mm-hmm. they always talk about, like, you know, like, actually, like, tr- speaking truth being something that can be blocked if you have, like, problems with your throat chakra. So I'm like, singers and storytellers? Very well, and, you know, yeah, it's like, you know, not taking it like so literally as like your literal throat, but like, yeah, you know, sort of the action of it, the communication of it all. Oh, yeah. Also um, like the very Venusian side of it, right? <laughs> and, you know, um, speak, you know, uh, it is in its rulership um, in Venus. So Venus really gets a boost for being in both Taurus and Libra. Um, but also, did you know that the moon is exalted in Taurus? I it makes so much sense like energetically but then also like isn't cancer next so I think no Gemini it it goes no Gemini 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 and then cancer so I'm like we also have cancer coming up with like the moon's about to be playing a big role in a couple of months but energetically I'm like it is a pretty like soft mama energy I was gonna say I feel like you know there's that comfy cozy vibe to Taurus that's very much sort of like nurturing that inner emotional world like that physical comfort relates to emotional stability and comfort i feel like if cancer is the mama of the zodiac um taurus is your cool aunt yeah i i I was gonna say it because you know kind of like when dealing with emotional issues i feel like taurus is kind of like you know, the sweatpants, the pint of ice cream. Yeah. You know, those like very, very comforting things, very comforting, but also materialistic. Now, we, and there is a dark side to all of that, too. The materialism of Taurus is something we're going to talk about. I mean, you have to, but I think it, <clears throat> it I think, yeah, it's a good point because it's like there's that physical comfort of it, you know, yes. like that's that very like hobbity side of Taurus which I, which I do love um and then I did want to talk about you know just to kind of talk about the energy of Taurus um Mars is in detriment in Taurus so not not in the fall position like with Cancer um but you know it's really not compatible with like the Martian vibe because Mars yeah. is very like, I'm going to do. It's very action-oriented. And I think really, you know, just to kind of like read a scenario where where Taurus energy is coming up against Mars energy, try to tell a Taurus to do something. <laughs> no. No, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's not gonna work. It's not gonna happen. Um it's it's yeah. You're not going to tell a Taurus to do shit because they are hard-headed. I mean, they are are represented by the bull and they fucking live up to it. Now, I just want to say my dad is a Taurus. My sister is a Taurus. Um, You know, shout out to them. But, like, I know kind of firsthand, like, you're not telling a Taurus to do fucking anything. (laughs) Nope. Nope. Um... You know, but, you know, kind of one of the things that I found in my research that I think is so funny that people always bring this up um, was sort of like the colors of pink and green for Taurus. 
Which I do think are it's appropriate. I feel like those are very springy colors. Just um, makes me think of what is it? Is it the Swedish like princess cake? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Because it's it's green on the outside and pink on the inside. It's got jam. I mean, um. But no, I I did kind of want to kind of lean into this thing too, where we're talking about like what kinds of magic would be good for the different signs. And here's where I I kind of want to say, tortoises love food, right? But I actually don't think kitchen witchery out of especially out of all of the earth signs i think taurus is the least likely to be a proficient cook and i that's my hot take of the whole segment truly um because i think that it's like enjoying food doesn't necessarily make you good at food that's that's exactly what i mean because i think taurus has exquisite taste excellent taste expensive Uh, taste please see Queen Elizabeth II being like the top tier Taurus. But Queen Elizabeth II has never made never made food in her entire life. Probably not probably not even once. Um no. but you know, exquisite taste. Although I do think it's funny that the Queen um also probably never ate garlic because the, the rules about garlic existed before she was even the queen, and she just kept that shit going because she was like, well. Yeah. That's just what we do. We don't eat garlic. It's like, okay, yeah, you're the queen of England. Uh, enjoy your garlicless food. God, uh, I'm like, if I was like the ruler of a country, I would not let anyone stand between me and garlic. No, truly. Truly. Especially not like what, my dead grandma? Like, no. The queen mother isn't going to tell me I can't fucking put garlic on my toast. No, absolutely not. But no, I actually, I don't see Torians as kitchen witches. I mean, they love food, but I think even more than that, they love to, like, get stoned and, like, order ridiculous shit on DoorDash. Uh, yeah. I'm like, when I think about Taurus, it makes me think of, like, cannabis magic. Oh, absolutely cannabis magic. But also, I think with the with the big Venus connection, it's it's got to be sex magic. Oh, Yeah. I think like sex magic also, I mean, kind of like feng shui type, like energetic design. Oh, I I was going to say aesthetics, anything to do with aesthetics. I feel like Taurus and Leo are the aesthetic queens of the Zodiac, Yeah, which is something I didn't want to talk about with like the dark side of Taurus though, Mm -hmm. because I was reading this thing where like cis your sister as your shadow, which I feel like does jump out a little bit for Taurus because their sister is Scorpio. So I feel like there is this kind of shadow side to Taurus that can feel very Scorpionic, you know? For instance, with the aesthetic thing, one of the things that I feel like is very your sister as your shadow is that Tauruses are not known for being very secretive, right? but they are known for cultivating an aesthetic. And I would say a Taurus keeping a secret would be kind of, they curate this aesthetic for themselves and their life. And anything that doesn't really fit into that is kind of left off the table. So it's not- It's kind of held under those scorpionic waters it's until, a, the <laughs> until the bubbles stop. Until the bubbles stop. And I do feel like, you know, there is this kind of, Taurus will- let drop you out of their life and never speak to you again kind of jumping yeah. back, jumping back into that throat chakra of it all yeah and i do feel like that's kind of one of the things where they could do some some work honestly because it's one of those things where it's like as as an aries i i cannot relate like i will be so mad at someone in like a moment but a taurus will hold on to that shit for life yeah, I feel like that's such an earth thing. No, true, <laughs> truly, but I do feel like, you know, that's something that people say about Scorpio, which I feel like yeah. is in this case also very very true about their sister Taurus. Yeah. I think it's like that hard-headedness, right? Because it's mm. like that inability to give because like part of getting over being pissed off at someone is like usually compromise. Oh, and they're never going to show the weakness. 
Oh, never will they ever, ever show the weakness of like circling back around and being like, hey, I might have overreacted in this situation. Or, you know, you've grown and changed. I'm willing to like let you back into my life. Yeah. I've grown and changed and I realized that it wasn't that big of a deal. Right. Yeah. But they'll the, but they'll never do that. And I would just say, you know, like that's something that you guys could definitely work on. Yeah. You look beautiful. Work on forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> work work on forgiveness. Now I do see Taurus having like a predilection towards green magic. The Tauruses I know in my life are all very dedicated caretakers for their house plants. And like my friend Alejandro. His room literally looks like a greenhouse because he's grown all of these monsteras and like trailed them literally up the wa- the fucking walls. So it's just like the him. just like the whole room it is a jungle. Um and I, I I actually think it's so iconic too because literally yeah. you feel like you're in a greenhouse. I mean, can we just like talk about how like a magical picnic is like peak Taurus vibes. I do feel. I mean, yeah, yeah, and uh, the weather during their season being perfect for that. Yeah, it's appropriate. Um, no, no. Here's what I will say too. I think Taurus would have such an affinity for like matchmaking or like love related magic. Oh, I could see that. Um, because I do feel like they have good instincts, like they have that earthiness, so they are ultimately very grounded in in reality. Like they don't live in this fantasy world that you sometimes get with like fire and water signs. Like, yeah, you know, they kind of see see it how it is, they say it how it is, and they would not be scared to tell you that you're a dumb bitch and you're making a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, like, I think that Taurus is, I think you're right. I think a Taurus could be, like, the perfect matchmaker because they could help you plan the outfit. They could tell you, like, to get your shit together. But then they have that, like, objectivity still. Right. And I, I think, I think you, I, I don't think you would get that from a Libra. I mean, if we're looking at the no. other Venus ruled sign, don't I think Libra would just want you to be happy, even if it was with the most toxic, if like the most toxic person on the entire planet of Earth was like, what would make you happy in the moment? Like your Libra friend. It'd be like twin flame, baby. <laughs> no, they really would. And it's like, I love my Libra friends. Like shout out to Eve, friend of the pod. Would not ask her for relationship advice. Yeah, it's like they're not your matchmakers. They're your love makers. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And like truly, almost no one out there is hotter than a Libra, no. um, which I also think does get, kind of gives them like no objectivity when you like a normal looking person are like talking to them about your relationship problems. And I'm not like dunking on myself. Like I in certain lighting, I am a nine. So like truly like let's not play around i'm just saying i'm a normal looking person right yeah like, you're not a fucking libra who I'm looks like a, a goddess i'm not a fucking libra i'm not a goddess so like when you talk to someone like that it's like oh you don't fucking know what you're talking about do you it's like oh no down here with us mere mortals <laughs> <laughs> but also as an air sign they will just tell you something like they they're not going to shut up no but a no. to- but but a, a Taurus on the other hand, I think would give incredible relationship advice. Yeah, yeah. I'm like I love that. My one of my favorite Tauruses, uh, triple Taurus Jerry, it works in interior design, like iconic Taurus profession. And also, uh, you know, it's like I know Jerry, someone who knows about a fucking aesthetic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very aesthetic. I and I I think that I love that idea of like the magic of design work. You well, know, I, I I just think you know, and it's like we are very much like witches who work, work with what you got. Like, you know, if you're doing magic in Tupperware, at least you're doing magic. 
Okay. Yeah. But I think we all kind of need that Taurus purse, that Taurus energy in our life to be like, honey, what are you doing? Go to the thrift store and buy some like doublets and plates and stuff for your witchcraft. Like, yeah. you know, like let's get They're in a sl- be the person that's like, go buy the thing. Go buy the thing. I mean, even if it's from a fucking thrift store, you need an you need a witchy aesthetic. You can't just be doing shit in Tupperware all the time. Uh yeah. Yeah. And they would not be afraid to say that to you. It's true. Um, I do think that it's always interesting to me to think about where like Taurus falls in your chart. Mm. Um, I think that that's something that can be an interesting way. Like, so depending on how, how you read, but I like whole sign houses. So like, I think that if you do whole sign astrology, like, Find out which house Taurus is ruling in your chart, too. I think that can be, like, kind of an interesting way to think about how that Taurus energy could come into play in your life, even if you're not a Taurus. Um, You know, so for me, it's like Taurus is in my fourth house. I was going to say Taurus is in my eighth house. Yeah. I mean, I think that, like, I like having Taurus in, like, an area of, like, domicile basically it's like rule like an area of relationships and home um and i i see that about myself but i do like that one of the things that are always like one of the negatives for that is like a tendency towards jealousy and high i am a jealous uh, <laughs> no um, well i i'm actually i i'm so close with the you know sort of the not whole sign houses system i'm so close to having taurus as my seventh house Mm. which my i mean my venus is in taurus so like typically i i've seen that in the seventh that indicates like divorce and you know like all this kind of like negative relationship stuff and i'm like you know it's not really where it's supposed to be but i'm glad it's not one away from where it is so yeah (laughs) yeah i feel like that's because for me it's like taurus is ruling the home which i feel like anyone who's been to my house that makes sense that taurus is in the fourth house for me because i feel like you know how important my home is Mm -mm. like making a homey vibe but yeah the idea of a <laughs> seventh or eighth house that could be tricksy yeah and i mean you know i i've definitely i i have felt the sort of repercussions of having taurus and venus in the eighth house but like you know i just at this point i think it's one of those things where i just like i i i just know how to deal with that kind of energy now and yeah i mean that's growth that's like how you work with your chart instead of (laughs) it's like your chart isn't like prescriptive it just it's descriptive and you do what you can with that right 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 um but just to kind of round it out um with our with our tourist babies um i do see them as being really into divination yeah, you know, my partner, Eric, is um, a Taurus ascendant, so Venus ruled chart. I think Eric is probably more into tarot than I am at this point, and I, they wouldn't call themselves a witch. No, and I I, I just, I, I think it's sort of like a natural pro- proclivity, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Eric, I think, has really, like, taken to tarot in a way that's just, like, so much more, yeah, like, natural than it was for me so I just I love that that's what you bring up and I was just like oh yeah nope Eric loves I I think I think I think Venus uh definitely has that kind of natural proclivity towards being good at divination um so yeah you know I I personally I'm like y'all need to set up your little your little psychic shop and do love readings um yeah that's 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 my witchy prescription for all the Taurus babies out there. I love it. So um, that was Taurus. And, you know, kind of got to the bitter end here. And I did something a little different today, which I thought was kind of fun. So uh, I did let Faye, who hates the podcast, uh, famously hates the podcast. Yeah. Um, 
pick the cards for the tarot scope today. And so for, um, we got Cancer. And look at the kitty cat on Cancer. Doesn't that look like Faye? It does look like Faye with the fucking like little crab pinching its tail. With the little crab pinching its tail. But like, look at the eyes though. Like it's really in the eyes. That's Faye. That's, that's Faye. That's Faye. So of course she picked herself and it's Cancer. Um, and for you guys, I got um, the Six of Swords reversed. Ooh. And so what this card is telling me for the little cancer babies out there is that you were going through sort of a deeply personal transitional phase. Maybe you're ending a relationship. Maybe you're ending a career. Maybe you're leaving behind you know, something that no longer serves you. But also what this is telling me is that you're likely keeping this to yourself. Um, and sort of, you know, I don't know, maybe it's because there is this perception that cancers are like crybabies or, you know, that they kind of air out their dirty laundry in public, which I'm sorry, you guys, y'all do do that. Yeah. Y'all do do that. Um, but, you know, you don't, you don't have to, it's not an either or situation. I think, you know, you should probably feel comfortable talking to your your trusted friends about these kind of big life changes. So, you, you know, it's not, um, we're going to talk about it very loudly in public at a coffee shop um, or nothing. Like maybe you should just talk to a friend in private about what's going on with you. Um, yeah, like have them over for a cocktail. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's what we have this week. A little bit of a shorter episode, but you know what, you guys, you guys, not every episode has to be an hour and a half. We're witches who work. And for, you know, if your commute is like two hours long, maybe you have time to like listen to the new episode of Seek Treatment or something after this. So yeah, we also have a back catalog. This is episode 122. (laughs) So, you know check out the other ones too <laughs> um i i honestly can't wait until we have like even more episodes and we can do like a clip episode because i think that would be so iconic uh that would be so fun but, but yeah, also you know, it would be a also it would be a bitch and a half to do i know um, yeah i'm like that's what happens once we get an intern yeah once we get an intern y'all are gonna be so tired of the clip episode so right um so what do we say to all the bullheaded bitches out there to all you bullheaded bitches blessed be bitches blessed be you bullheaded bitches <laughs> goodbye bye now I mean, maybe she doesn't want the message to get out. That's fair. That's fair. But I was also just like, I'm, you know, I'm trying to include you. Like, I'm trying to give you exposure, which, you know, as an up and coming celebrity, like, you should be really grateful for what I'm trying (laughs) to, to, I'm trying to help you with your career. And, you know, like, this is how. Help me help you, Faye. Yeah, really. I mean, it's just, it's a little silly. Oh, my God. Um. That cat. I just I just love that this has become like irrefutable at this point that your cat hates the podcast. So yeah, it's uh shocking.